before that, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8 tonight with the Lord's help. I want to bring you a message entitled, A Maniac Who Became a Missionary. A Maniac Who Became a Missionary. And I know a lot of missionaries that are maniacs, but this is a different one. Amen. You know, we're living in a day of unusual wickedness. Uh, I'm not as old as a lot of you folks are, but uh, I'm, I'm old enough to know that I've never seen anything like we're seeing today. And uh, really, it really is uh, heartbreaking, to be honest with you. And it looks like we're going to destroy our own selves in America with all the wickedness. I, I, I cannot grasp, I just cannot grasp a parent, a parent that would take their child to a doctor and have them mutilated and try to change them from being one thing to another thing. I've heard some of the most stupidest things and, uh, in my life. They, I mean intelligent people, intelligent people, and they would, they would question them on the news and, well, do you really believe that a man who's born a biological man can have a baby? Well, sure. Well, let me tell you, I may look pregnant, but I ain't going to never have a baby. <laughs> Amen. You, you just count on that. And I've never met another man that had one, have y'all? I mean, we're living in stupid days. By the way, the text over in 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 says, In the last days, perilous times shall come. And if you look up that word in a strongest concordance, it's only used one other time. Translate a little different, but only use one other time. You know what it's used? About the man we're going to look at tonight. The maniac of Gadara. And you know what? He was lawless. You couldn't control him. You couldn't constrain him. And we'll see that in just a moment. I tell you what I believe might have been a red line for God when, when our president at the White House brought all of these twisted minds together genders, all this stuff that they did that day at the White House. I wonder if that was a red line for God. I've often wondered that. I hope not. Books in our libraries that are not fitting for anybody to read, much less a child. Lawlessness in our streets, which God said there'll be lawlessness in the last days. Demonic activity. The further we get away from the Lord, the more demonic activity we'll have. And uh, boy, listen... A man or a woman doesn't have to be wallowing on the ground, foaming at the mouth to be demon-possessed. Y'all know that, don't you? Uh, they're probably demon-possessed people in high, high places. Well, there is going to be a day when this whole, whole earth is going to be filled with demonic activity, and that's in the book of Revelation. And uh, during the tribulation period, God's going to open... So he's keeping all this down. He's going to one day open that pit and all that's coming out of the pit. And it's going to be a sad day. But anyway, I'm glad God's still in control. That's what I've got to believe. I've got to believe that God may let bad things happen to us because we deserve it and we need it. And maybe to correct us enough, we'll get back on, on, online here. But uh, I'm glad God can save any sinner. And I know people get caught up in all kinds of sin. You know, here's a guy, here's a guy criticizing a man for being one, committing sin, then he's committing sin with a woman and all kinds of mess. But anyway, uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad that God can save anybody, no matter how wicked they've been. And uh, so we come to the text here in chapter 8 of the book of Luke, and we're going to begin in verse 26. 
But just before that, there is a, there's a storm that the disciples and the Lord Jesus are in on the Sea of Galilee. And you see that in verse 22 through verse 25. And when you read these events that are taking place, if they're chronological, don't ever separate one from the other because sometimes the one event will explain and help you understand the next event. For instance, Jesus said, I've got something to do on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We're going over there. So he and the disciples went over to the other side. He knew why he was going. He knew exactly why he needed to go. You remember he said, I must needs go through Samaria one time. There was a woman at a well. He knew he would be there, and he was going there to win her soul. And so here he's got to go to the other side of the sea. And on the way, there's a big bad storm. I mean a bad one. And I wonder if that wasn't the devil trying to kill him. Amen? The devil hates our Lord Jesus Christ, and he wants to do away with him, but he can't because he's the eternal son of God. He'll, he's forever. Amen? So anyway, uh, let's look at our Bible. And I want us to look tonight. I've got this message with two titles. One is a maniac who became a missionary, and the other one is the miracle of a changed life. You know, I, t- I tell you what, I- I've never thought that I was anything, but I'm telling you what, God has made a change in my life. He's made a change in your life if you're truly saved, and we praise the Lord for that. So let's look at it and let's, uh, let's see what happens when he gets on the other side of the Sea of Galilee in verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against uh, Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city, in other words, a man who was outside the city, a certain man which had devils, notice that, a long time. He was demon-possessed and had been so for a long time. We don't know how long, but it wouldn't have been a week or two. It would probably have been years. And he wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs, the caves where they buried people. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, and now he's not doing the speaking, but a demon, the lead demon in him is doing the speaking. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes he had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? Talking to the demon. He said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Now the word legion, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means a, 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 a army of Roman soldiers, and a legion was anywhere between 2,000 and 6,000 people. So that means that this poor man had somewhere maybe between two and 6,000 demons that had indwelt him and was tormenting him. And these besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now, you, got, you know who's in control here, don't you? Jesus is. These demons are not telling Jesus what they're going to do. They're asking permission. They're getting, his, they're getting uh, him to help uh, give them the yes on something. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them, Jesus did. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. In other words, they, when the demons went in them, he, they were acting like the man did. 
with the demons' control. And when they fed them, when David fed them, feeding the pigs, was, was, was done, they fled and went and told it to the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Anytime somebody sees a powerful move of God, it'll bring fear. They also, uh, which saw it, told them by what means that he was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country, the Gadarenes, around about, said, Praise the Lord, Jesus. Won't you stay here as long as you want to and do your work? I didn't read that right, did I? They besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up again into the ship and returned back again. Father, we're going to read the story of a man that's a pitiful man. A man that no doubt had such a wicked life that it invited the demons in. And God, I believe that happens today. And I pray that you'll help us to understand a little bit about the change that Jesus can bring about in any human being's life. I don't care who they are, where they've been, or where they're coming from. Lord, you are God Almighty, and you can touch lives and change lives, and we're so thankful that you changed ours. And we know we have a long ways to go, and we always come short. But we're thankful that you've made a difference in our life over these years, and pray that you'll continue to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus had all power. He said that in Matthew, in that great missionary passage. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Well, if, if he has all power, then nobody has any power unless he gives it to them. Amen? And so he, he has power. He has power we see in the storm. He has power over danger. He has power over the demons. After he, he deals with this man, they go and deal with a woman the sick. He has power over diseases. He has power over death. He raises a man from the Lord. I'm just glad I serve a God who has power. Amen? I still, and I don't know if I've mentioned this, but it's in the Bible. So anyway, in the book of Samuel, uh, chapter 5, I believe it's 2 Samuel 5, you have the event of where the Israelites were out of fellowship with God, and they took the Ark of the Covenant out to battle and to fight the Philistines. Well, sometimes God did send the Ark out. But they carried the ark out, and because they were so backslidden, God allowed the Philistines to capture the Ark of the Covenant. And they took it back to their homeland. And they're going to try to make sure that they make mockery of the God of heaven, the God Jehovah. And so you know what they did? They took it into their temple, the temple of Dagon. And Dagon, they claim, was a statue probably higher than this building right here. And it was a half of a man and a half a fish. And that was their God that they had created. They trusted that God. When they had droughts, they prayed to that God. When they had a child with a high fever, they prayed to that God. So they trusted him to be powerful. And yet, when they put that Ark of the Covenant in front of that God, they went home that night, the priest did. And when they came back the next morning, their God had fallen over and he couldn't get up. How would you like to be praying to a God that you're going to, get, you're, going to, you, you're going to trust him with your eternal matters? You're going to trust him to help you when you're in trouble and, and he's fell over and can't get up? So they had to set him back up. Well, they went home that night. In case right in chapter 5. They went in and they came back the next morning. This time he fell over 
and he had broken his hands off and broke his head off. And again, he couldn't get up. So they had to set him up, but they had to do more than that. They had to fix him. They had to put his head back on. Had to glue it or however they did it back in those days. They probably didn't have any Gorilla Glue, but anyway. And uh, but anyway, had to put his head back on. Had to put his hands back on. And I thought to myself, how can somebody, you know he's not, a, he's not a true God, has no power to help you or anything else, and yet they will, they will give their eternal soul for a God that's not even a God. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I've never had to pick my God up, have y'all? I've never one time had to fix my God either, but he's had to fix me a bunch of times, and I'm glad that he has. So let's look at, let's look at this maniac that was possessed by demons here. And look, if you would, we mentioned in verse 30 that his name is Legion. There are many of them. And the Bible said that this, this, this man was unclean. And that's talking about sinful, unstable, unclothed, untamable. I mean, they, they put chains around that guy and he broke them loose. So he was not, he was not, he, he was out of control. That's what he was. You know what? There's a lot of people, and I guess we've all been out of control from time to time. But boy, I'm going to tell you, I'm glad there's a God in heaven that can get you back under control if you'll let him. And uh, if you ever meet a demon-possessed person, you'll never forget it as long as you live. Now, I, I, don't, I don't think everybody that acts funny is demon-possessed. I don't think everybody that does certain things is demon-possessed. But I remember one night I was at the Winston-Salem Rescue Mission where I worked at while I was in Bible college for a couple of years. And the police department, Winston-Salem Police Department, brought a young man, looked like he was about 25, 26, 27. And he was in the Navy and he was home in Winston-Salem visiting his parents. And uh, they brought him by and they said, now we'll come and get him in the morning, but can we check him in to the rescue mission tonight? Well, the police wants to do that. I cooperated with them, of course, and I said, yeah. I said, uh, I said, would you tell me what he did or what's, what's going on here? At least I'll have knowledge about it. said, yes. said, uh, he's home with his family. And it was a very prominent family in Winston-Salem. Some of you would know if I called their name. But it was their son. And it could be anybody's son, by the way. And uh, so anyway, I, we, I accepted him. I said, yeah, he can stay here. So I always witnessed and talked to the person who was coming in. Anybody came in, I talked to him about the Lord. And... Uh, but when I asked the one officer by himself, I said, now, what's he, what, what, why, have y'all, why do y'all have him? He said, well, he said he was at home just a little while ago, a couple hours ago, and said his family had been out, of, out somewhere, and they came back and smelled something funny when they drove up. And he said, what in the world is that smell? And so they thought maybe something was on fire, and something was on fire, their family cat. And they went inside, and that boy was offering the family cat as a sacrifice to the devil. And so the, they called the police, and the police got him, brought him down to us, and of course we let him spend the night. But if there's ever a human being that I've ever seen in my life that was demon-possessed, he was demon-possessed. And it was pitiful because he'd weep and cry and said he didn't want to be. And then I'd witness to him, and he said, oh, that's what I need. I need to be saved. And you know, you can tell a, you can tell a guy who's pulling one over on you. Let me tell you something. That, that boy was reaching out for help. He, I, I said, have you never heard the gospel, son? He said, I've been in churches. He said, it all started with a Ouija board, him and four or five other sailors. He said, four of them are in devil worship right now, including me. And uh, anyway, just a sad thing. It's a, it's a bad thing, amen? And I fear we're going to see more and more and more and more of it. 
Let's look back at the let's look back at the maniac. First of all, society couldn't help him. You know, society tries to solve all of society's problems, but they don't they don't go to the Bible and find out how to do that. And so they're off giving drug addicts more drugs. They're doing all these things and it's not working. But I'm going to tell you what does work. The gospel of Jesus Christ still works. And it'll work on anybody. I don't care if he's a maniac. I don't care if he's high society. I don't care who he is. Brother, it'll work when the gospel is shared that people will get saved. Well, the man couldn't get control of his own life. Boy, I tell you, have you ever been in that spot? You couldn't get control of your own life. Society can't help you. Well, what are you going to do, preacher? You're going to do what we should have done to start with. We're going to look under the Lord God of heaven who has mercy upon people and pity upon us that he might help us. Amen. So we have this maniac who's possessed and the demon is talking to Jesus and Jesus lets him go into the hogs. Look at the miracle, second of all, not only the maniac, but the miracle performed by our Savior. Look in verse 31. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep or the abyss or the pit. And that's a place where demons and people, uh, demonic uh, creatures will go one day for forever and ever. And uh, so all them, all, them, all them pigs, somebody said, well, well, what happened to them pigs? I said, well, those pigs committed suicide. And they all died, amen, 2,000 of them. So he put all those demons, all those demons went into those hogs. But we see the Savior, we see the Lord Jesus. If Jesus is in control and he's in your life and you're yielded to him, then you're in control. You always will be. But uh, if he'll control us, why don't we let him control us? I have the same problem you got. I, I've got old, old flesh. Well, they, he, the Lord Jesus performed a miracle, cast the demons out, put them in the pigs. You say, why did he do that? Why didn't he say, no, I'm not going to bother the pigs? Because if he had done that, when the, when the people from town came, he would, have had, he would have had no proof that he's the one that had changed that man's life. But now that the pigs are gone... And they're in there, and the demons and all, then give more proof to what he was doing. So they came out. And then the third thing, uh, a, a mission, God had something for this guy. You say, well, you, you, why would he even bother with him? He's a reject of society. I mean, he's the kind of guy, man, you tell your kids, son, don't go around him. Don't, don't go over there. Don't do this. I mean, he was, the, he was one of the worst human beings, no doubt. I doubt me and you have ever met anybody as bad as him. And, uh, but Jesus had a plan for him. His plan was when that man got saved, he had a plan for him. It has a plan for everybody. So he didn't leave him like he was, but he got saved. And God, after he got saved, God had a plan for him. So we find him, what do we find him doing? We find him after, the, after he uh, gets saved, we find him sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he's not wandering through the tombs and through the mountains and cutting himself and crying. He's seated at the feet of Jesus. He's clothed. He's modest. And uh, before that, of course, he was naked and immoral. He was in his right mind. Did you know that wickedness will destroy your mind? Uh, I, I believe God gives a lot of people over to a reprobate mind. But anyway, and then peaceful. Peaceful. He wasn't wild anymore. 
He was comforted before he was tormented by all those demons. So a lot of things happened to this man, but the main thing was that it happened in his heart. And you know what the Lord said? They got ready to go. And let me see if I can give you this verse right here. Look, if you would, in... Um, look at verse 38. Now the man out of whom the devils was de uh, were departed besought him, besought Jesus, that he might be with him. In other words, Lord, I want to be one of your disciples. You have changed my life. You can't, you can't, I mean, I know you can't know, but I mean, I, I am so thankful to you. I want to go with you. I want to serve with you. I want to follow you. I want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus said, no, sir, that's not my plan for you. You know, some people's plan, God's plan for them is to be a missionary one day. Sometimes somebody's plan is them for be a preacher. God sometimes has a plan for you to just be a faithful worker in your church and lift up your pastor and, and teach the Sunday school class and do those things. And uh, all of that is so vital and so important. But God has a plan. But here was God's plan for this man. And I believe it ought to be one of the first plans for anybody that gets saved. Watch it. Return to thine house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. In other words, I want you to go back home. I want you to go back to your home and I want you to tell your family and friends what I've done for you. And so he went his way and he published throughout the whole city and in another one of the, in another one of the uh, uh, Gospels, it uses the word decapolis, which means ten cities in one. So it was a huge place with a lot of people. And he went through the entire city and told them how great things Jesus had done for him. Let me tell you something, my friend. Uh, I, he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. You know, you think about this right here, and I thought this is a good way to grow a church. Every time somebody gets saved, I know when I got saved, who were my friends? About all of them were lost people. Lost people. Uh, so first thing you do is you take a guy that comes and gets saved, well then you ought, you ought to have a plan to try to encourage him in the Lord and help him grow. But say, son, you have some lost people, lost, lost friends? Yes, about all I got, preacher. Well, listen, I'll be glad to go with you. Would you like for them to have happened to them what's happened to you? Well, sure, I'd like to see them saved. And I believe that's what the Lord Jesus was showing. Did you know one of the first places we ought to go when we get saved is to our family? You know, when old Andrew got saved, where did he go? Went to his brother Peter and told him about the Lord. And so we see Jesus recommending that man to go home. Now, have you ever thought about what happened when he went home? Now, he's probably long-haired. He's probably stinks to high heaven. I mean, he's probably, he just, when Jesus met him, he was all those things and probably a lot more. But you see, he's got some clothes on now. He's cleaned up. He's, he's, uh, God's changed his whole attitude about life, no doubt. And you know what he does? He heads, he heads home. When he gets back, now the Bible said he'd been this way for a long time. So he may have been away from home for years. We don't know. That Bible doesn't tell us. But can you imagine him making his way back to the city and he thought to himself, was he going to go see his wife and children or is he going to go see his mama first? Which one? And he figures mama would have more, be more apt to take him in and, and accept him and forgive him than maybe his own wife would. Can't you see him going up the path to the house? And his little old mother looked out the window and she's been shedding tears for years. She's been crying because her boy is all messed up. Maybe, maybe today he'd be on drugs. 
he'd be involved in devil worship or whatever. I mean, he was, he, he was just in a total mess. But she sees him coming. And he steps up on the, up on the porch. On. And she's thinking, I don't know what he'll do if I open the door. Ring, he'll hurt me, but she notices something. That boy looks different, acts different. Mama, Mama, this is Joe. I know, Mama, you're afraid to open the door, but I promise everything's all right. I mean, I I know the last time I saw you, I, I, I acted like a fool. And I know I hurt your feelings and I know you've been crying and you've been trying to pray for me and do whatever you can do to try to help me. But I promise you, I promise you, it's for real. It's for real. I met the Lord Jesus Christ and I was, I was so full of the devil. But he cast all those demons out of me, Mama. And I'm, I, I'm, where, I'm where I need to be. And I was going to go serve the Lord with him. But he told me to come back home and... Mama, I just wanted to come back to you first. And she's listening to this through the door. She's peeking out the window. And he does look different. And the tone of his voice is totally different. And so she takes a chance. All right, son. And she opens that doorknob and that latch and unlocks it and opens the door. And there he stands, her boy. Her boy who's put more gray hairs in her head than he could ever dream. You know, listen, young people, don't, don't worry you, you mom and daddy. Don't, don't be a hardship. Be a blessing to them. Amen? And she probably looks at him and starts bawling, and he steps one step forward, she steps a step forward, and they meet together and hug each other and rejoice in the Lord. And he said, and after they get through hugging and rejoicing and crying, he said, Mama, you got a few minutes. Oh, honey, I got all day for you. I'm so glad to see you. What happened to you? Well, that's what I want to do is just take a few minutes and tell you. And I, he, I'll guarantee you he did exactly what he told the Lord he was going to do. And he told his mama what great things God had done for him. I remember when I got saved and I went and told my mama that I'd gotten saved. She wasn't even saved, but she was thrilled about it. Amen? Because she knew it would change our life. She had enough God about her even when she was unsaved to know that it would... It was good and it changed our life. The maniac said, Mama, how's Sue doing? That's his wife. How's Sue and the kids doing, Mama? Well, son, you know it's been hard on them. You've been gone for however. You've been gone so long. Said, they, they about lost everything they got. Said, I, I, Mama, you reckon she'd talk to me? Well, you know what you did the last time you were home? She said she'd never talk to you again. She'd never let you in that house ever again. I know it, Mama, but would you pray with me and let me pray, and I'm going to go down there and see if I can talk to her. And off he goes. And up the path to that, his wife's house and his children, and up there he goes to apologize to them and try to make amends. And he gets up there kind of close, and the wife happened to be looking. No, one of the kids out in the yard playing comes flying in the door and slams the door and said, Mama, Mama, Daddy, can't you just see something like this happening? Mama, Mama, Daddy's out there. Daddy's out there. Oh, no, she said, and she grabbed her children and she locked the door and pulled the shades down and went in a closet and locked them in a closet, her and the kids, scared to death, trembling. She hadn't seen him maybe for a year, two, three, I don't know. And he's out there knocking on the door. He said, Honey, I... 
I know you don't want to let me in, but I'm telling you, God has changed my life. Well, she'd heard that maybe before sometime. Honey, I'm, te- I'm telling you, it's real. God has done something in me that nobody can do. And I can just see as that dear lady finally gets up enough nerve to go over to the window and just peek out enough to see him and notices that he looks different, he's acting different, he's talking. By the way, you get saved, you'll be different. I've talked to people over and over and you've done the same thing. I knock on a door and say, folks, how you doing? Doing great. You, you, we're just here to let, just find out if you know the Lord. We go to such and so. We go to Woodland Baptist Church. Oh, yeah, we're both saved. Me and my girlfriend saved here. I said, is that right? I said, well, that's wonderful, wonderful. Where y'all go to church at? Well, we don't have time to go to church. Come on. said, well, both of us are trying to pay off our house here. And, of course, they were living together, shacked up. And when you, you can go through that whole thing, all the sins you want to go through, but they think they're still saved. But I'm telling you, I know a saved person can do wrong, but I'll tell you one thing. Brother, if God can come inside of a person and indwell them and it make no difference, I don't understand it. Brother, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. And so he got up there and finally his wife noticed all that and he's talking tenderly to her and just tapping on the door and finally she gets up enough nerve to go back and get the kids and bring them out and she opens the door and there he is. Let me tell you something. I'll guarantee you, there's been those kinds of meetings by the hundreds and thousands throughout this world when God changed their life. And when God changed his life, he said, I want you to be my missionary. Don't follow me now. Don't follow my disciples now. We're going this way. I want you to go back home. And one of the best things we'll ever do when we get saved, but it's got to be genuine. You can't go tell your mom, I'm saved, and then next week she hears you're drunk again. That don't work. That don't work. In fact, that'll, that'll break her heart even more. But anyway, Jesus had a plan for this man. Praise the Lord. And I, I'm going to tell you, you, if your life's out of control, the Lord can help you get it back in control. And I'm going to tell you, we have a Savior, a Christ, who died for us. It's amazing. What a picture this is of a transformed life changed by Jesus. And I'll give you two or three little things at the end and we'll quit. Sin and the devil will seek to destroy you. He'll give you such anger you can't control it. He'll give you drugs. He'll give you pornography that'll get a hold of your heart and it's hard to break. God can deliver you from this bondage, number two. Number three, your life can be changed for time and eternity but you've got to be serious about it. You don't come be bopping up, chewing, chewing gum, and say, well, I guess I need to be saved. Let me tell you something. I remember when folks would come down front weeping like a baby. Now, I know tears don't save you, but I'm going to tell you, my friend, there ought to be some expression of repentance. Amen? And the first place that we ought to go after we get saved is go to our family, our mamas, our sisters, our brothers. Our, our, just go to them and say, listen, it's happened. You've been praying for me for years. I got saved today. And God has changed my life. May God help us to realize that a person who has no respect of their society is an object of God's love. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how you've handled your life. It may be totally out of control. But there's a God up in heaven who says he pities us. 
He pities us. And, and he says he remembers that we are but dust. You know, sometimes we forget that we're dust. But he said, I remember that thou art but dust. And then he talks about his mercy and his grace in Psalm 103. It's a wonderful thing to think about that God loves me when not many other people do. That's why Zacchaeus, I guess, was so overwhelmed. People hated, people hated the, these publicans. And Jesus saw him and said, called him by name. He went home, and Jesus led him to the Lord. Amen. I'm just saying that God is a God of love and grace. He is. And he'll make a maniac a missionary. Amen. Every one of us can be a missionary to our family first and then to others. Let's pray.